0: Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to know you and trust you, for the opportunity that we have to be like you. Lord, our hearts and our minds are easily distracted. We're easily brought to other places and not engaging with your spirit and your word. And so we ask, Father, in this moment that that you would continue to be patient with us and grow us and guide us. We do love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Who is God? God is patient. Brock, however, is not. So there are these things flying around the room. And if I were to give them a couple of months, they would die. However, somebody gave me the opportunity to play black fly tennis. So this is an example of Brock not being patient. I would rather stand here with a racket and beat around flies than I would wait for them to just die. Now, I thought about putting this down there in the seats. However, I know what would happen if I put this by the high schoolers. They would play fly tennis while I was speaking and I would be distracted. So no, you cannot have it, even if you do play tennis. But God is patient. There are things that simply take time. And God is patient. There are things that take time to start. And God is patient. There are things that once they start, take time to finish and God is patient few of these characteristics have brought me more immediate comfort than God's patience because I not only am an impatient impatient person I'm a broken person and if God weren't patient with me I know what would happen, because time and time again, week in and week out, day in and day out, I fail. I fail to look like Him, I fail to love like Him, I fail to be like Him, I fail to care at moments to be like Him. Three passages. We're going to start with three passages. And then we're going to jump to a whole lot more passages. So if you want to follow the passages, they are in the QR code on your bulletin. You can follow them with your phone or device. Or you can watch the screen. That will have most of them. Or you can use your Bible and flip to different passages, which is the preferred method, but also the slowest. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord... Is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Now what in the world do those three passages have in common? They are all referring to the primary purpose of God's patience. Now, saying that there's a primary purpose implies that there's a secondary purpose to it, maybe even a tertiary purpose, and if you're not familiar with that, it's third. It's a weird word. It's a good word. You should use it. Everybody, this week, we're going to make an agreement. You're going to use the word tertiary somewhere, and people are going to look at you like you've lost your mind, but it's a good word. The primary purpose of God's grace is what all of those passages are about. Not God's grace, rather God's patience, which is ultimately God's grace. God's grace. It's bringing people to a place of repentance. In the second Peter passage, it's explicit. God's patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but all come to repentance, right? The patience is intended to bring repentance or bring about repentance. The Romans passage says that in God's patience and kindness, we see what we need so that we can repent. And then the Jonah passage, if there's ever a person who you should not admire in the Bible, it's Jonah, as far as heroes go. And Jonah sees people come to repentance, turn from their evil, and pursue God, and he's angry for it. Because he wanted their demise. And he says, God, this is why I didn't want to come here. I knew you were all of these things which imply God's patience. He relented for a time of bringing the disaster that he said. He showed grace and mercy when he shouldn't have had to. Contrasting ultimately, Jonah's haste, right? In haste, I fled to Tarshish versus God's patience so that people would come to repentance. That is the primary reason for God's patience, not only to us, but to the world, because the patience has two components to it. One component is toward us who are believers. And I'm going to pretend for a moment like all of us in here are believers. We might be, we might not be, but we're gonna pretend for just a moment that we are and God's patience with us doesn't stop because we've put our faith in him. It continues because we are the ones, the vessels, through which his message is supposed to reach the people. The people who what? Are not yet believers, and so he's patient with us so that all would come to repentance. We are supposed to be doing that. That is what we're supposed to be enacting, it's what we're supposed to be engaging with. And God is patient with us. Why? Because we are not good at it. And so he's patient so that all the people who are called by his name, we could get into what that means, would come to repentance in him through the message that we, his people, bring to them so that we could have an opportunity to to be part of their salvation. Not in any way actors in it. We're not creating it. We're not causing it. Yet we are able to engage with it. And then he's patient with the world. So that they would have an opportunity to see what it means that God is God. And that they would come to repentance. So they would see who he is and follow him accordingly. God's patience. It's for us. And it's for the world in its primary purpose, which is to bring about salvation, to bring about repentance, to bring about redemption, to bring about the raising of dead souls to life. But it doesn't stop there. That's part of where it's so comforting is it doesn't stop once we're believers and it doesn't stop as it shows how the world can repent, that the world should repent. It goes well beyond that to engaging with us on our daily, weekly, monthly, individual, and group life. Syllogisms are uh, they're a thing. If you don't know what a syllogism is, a syllogism is an argument that says two premises, um, like Brock is alive. Brock is here, therefore, Brock is weird. Okay, it's not actually how it goes. But there's a syllogism that we can use here to understand God. God is 1 John 4 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And the implication here is that God encompasses. All of what love is. Love is not the only thing that defines God, but everything that is love is found in God. God is all love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 love is patient. Which love? All of the love. When? All of the time. That does not mean. That love says, so I'm going to continue to allow you to do wrong. And child of mine, you will never receive consequences. Not at all what love is patient means. But love is patient in that it has consequences for actions. And then loves anyway, waiting for those actions to stop being the actions that you're doing. And then when you do those actions again, you get consequences. And love says, and I will again be patient with you until you do this right. There's lots of nuances in that. But that's what love is patient means. So if God is all love and all of this love is patient, then God is what? Patient. Because all of the love that he expresses toward people is in itself patient. We know that intrinsically, we we get that as believers, but then what does that mean? How does that engage as we go forward? Because sometimes we act like God's patience stops once we're believers. Now, once we're believers, he's no longer patient. He's demanding or uncaring. Philippians chapter one verse six. So we've got this idea that God is love, love is patient, therefore God is patient, and we need to hold that closely. Philippians chapter one verse six. And I am sure of this: that He who began a good work in you, you the believers in Philippi, will uh, will bring it to completion. When. At some point in the future, on the day of Christ Jesus, which is when? When he returns, which hasn't happened yet. So, so far, just based on logic, what we're seeing here is God has been patient for 2,000 years with us. To bring about the life that he requires of us as his people, but not in a demanding, overbearing sort of way, in a way that says, I am going to help you grow. I am going to be patient while you grow. Most of us in here have grown something at some time or another Uh, especially as we look out at our yards and we see grass and we see flowers and then there's people who farm and they plant stuff in the spring and they raise it. And then there's people who, who have fruit trees. And fruit trees take, if you look at like a sweet cherry tree, somewhere between four and seven years to actually start producing the fruit that we want from a sweet cherry tree. Red peppers, on the other hand, take about eight weeks Six to eight weeks between when you plant it and when you've got peppers. And dandelions take 43 seconds. <laughs> I'm sure there's, a, there's another analogy in there about weeds growing that fast and everything that we like growing slowly, but we're not going there. What we see is that God designed these things to take time to reach maturity. which means he knows that it's going to take time for a broken brock to reach the maturity that I'm supposed to. Does that mean I get to live in the brokenness and say, oh, the God doesn't care. I get as much time as I want. No, no, no. We don't have that luxury. He died for us so that we don't have to be slaves to sin. But he's patient with us as we grow. If we flipped forward to Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 and 13, this is Paul talking about himself, all right? he's The beginning of chapter 3 is where he talks about forgetting uh, all the stuff that is uh, to our benefit and seeing it as rubbish or actually contra benefit, opposite of benefit, And then we come to verse 12, not that I have already obtained this, the righteousness and the perfection that he's talking about, or that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, to make what my own? To make the righteousness my own, to make the perfection my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So I can see righteousness become my own because I am in Christ and he's working his righteousness in me. That's the ultimate thing that he's saying. Now he goes on, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I haven't gotten there yet. So here's Paul toward the end of his life, having not yet reached the goal. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal that is Jesus Christ. God is patient as we press on. God is patient with us as we've not yet made perfection, as we've not yet been fully remade, as we're not who we should be, but we press on. So as we engage with what it means for God to be patient with us, we're going to look at our own lives and say, but I failed miserably, okay? We don't condone it. We don't say that it's okay. We don't say that we don't care. What we do say is, you can't change that. Whatever it is. You cannot change what you've already done in the past. So we're going to ignore that. We're going to take consequences for it. We're going to take responsibility for it. But we're not going to dwell on it. And we are going to move forward to the prize that is Jesus Christ. But if we spend our time looking backwards at what we've failed at and saying, oh, I I failed there and I'm not perfect yet. I give up. Then we misunderstand God's patience toward us as he grows us, not only as individual plants within this body of people, but as a family at Bethel as a whole. God is patient with us as individuals and God is patient with us as a group because we are not yet perfect. We try. We do our best, but we are not yet perfect. And so is patient with us. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, he is patient with us. But if we take our eyes off Jesus, if we don't care about following him, then we become like the churches in the first part of Revelation. And he says, I am going to take your lampstand from you. Why? Because you're rejecting me. So I'm going to remove your place of influence where you are. There comes a point where it's not that he's not patient with us, but we need a harsher consequence so as to come back to him. That is still patient because he hasn't given up love for us. He's just brought the consequences to us that we as individuals or we as a church have asked for. I had a conversation with one of my kids one time. This conversation has happened a lot actually. And they said, "Well, why can't I get this book before bed? Why why do I have to only get half of the book?" Well, because you went to your room to get dressed and instead of getting dressed, you decided to play. And in case you wonder which kid it is, it's every one of them. You don't get this because you wasted the time that was for this by doing something else in your room. You preferred that over this, and so you lost this because you did that. That's not me being impatient. Well, it might be because I'm broken, but it's not intended as impatience. It's intended as a consequence. You chose that, and if we as God's people continue to choose that, whatever that is, that's not him there will be consequences for it but it doesn't change his love for us it doesn't change his willingness to give us another try another go at it in patience not impatience but in patience as we press on toward the goal that is Christ Jesus 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 And this is where we start to move uh, into the idea of how are we supposed to act. So this is all that secondary. I don't think I mentioned this. This is that secondary element of God's patience. Primary purpose of God's patience is redemption. Secondary purpose of God's patience is our growth. The tertiary or third purpose is so that we could copy him in how we interact with each other. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. How much patience has Jesus had with Paul? Decades. Paul came to faith in Jesus somewhere around the 40s AD, and this is somewhere around the 60s AD. This isn't days, weeks, or months. This is years of following Jesus, years of being Paul the Apostle. And he says, I am the worst of sinners, and God continues to show me patience. Does he make excuse for it? Does he downplay it? No. He admits it as a reality. He is broken. Now what do we do? How are we supposed to engage with this component of who God is? In case you were wondering, this idea of God's patience gets trickier and trickier and trickier the less we abstract it from God's Patience toward redemption because it requires of us a particular way of interacting. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Put on kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. In case we missed it, bearing with one another being long-suffering with each other, working together for how long? A long time, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And now all of a sudden we are called to be patient with each other unceasingly. Do you know how hard that is? Yes, you probably do. This is crazy talk. It's right, but it's crazy. It's so far beyond my natural capability that I don't even know how to express it. Yet, it's what's demanded of us. Why does he say, be patient and bear with one another? Seems a little repetitive, doesn't it? It is. Do you know why? Because we're really bad at being patient. So it's repeated for us. So we would understand it's meant. No, it's really, really meant that we be patient. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. We spent a whole week looking at this passage earlier this year. Walking in a manner worthy of the call of Christ with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love. There we go again. The manner in which we are to live is patience, bearing with each other in love. Why? Because love is patient. That doesn't mean we don't demand right actions from people. We do. We expect it. Why do we expect it? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. What's the expectation? Holiness. Perfection. In fact, Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 says, "You therefore, you who are us, be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect." No room for error in any way at any time to the smallest degree. And when we're not perfect, we have to be patient with each other. The expectations there Right? The expectation to be holy, to follow Christ perfectly is there. But we will fail. And then we must be not only receiving grace from God, which we do, but we must be patient with each other. Why? Because Christ is patient with us. When somebody does something you don't like, you're patient with them. You may tell them. You should tell them, especially if it's offensive to you. But too often we take the idea out of Matthew 18 to go to your brother if they sin against you. And then if they don't change immediately, go bring somebody else and try to beat them in the head with two people. And if they don't change immediately, the call isn't immediate. The call is growth, which may be seen immediately or may not. And that's when we must be patient. Why? Because God is equally as patient with me. No. God is far more patient with me. This growth... Uh, probably can't be exemplified more clearly than in two particular passages. This, this growth that takes time. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that didn't say patience at all. Where are we coming up with this idea of time and patience? If you're going to add or supplement to your faith one thing and then another and then another and then another and then another and continue to build upon itself and they are yours in increasing measures, the implication is time. It takes time to add those things and it takes time to see them growing in increasing measure. Go to James chapter 1, verses 2-4. to 4. Consider it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops... Perseverance. And perseverance must last for but the shortest time possible. No, that's not what it says. Perseverance is perseverance when you want to quit over and over and over and over and you don't. That's perseverance. And perseverance must have its full effect. You'll be blameless and complete, lacking nothing. Time. This is going to take time to reach that point of blameless and complete, lacking nothing, because you've given time To the perseverance. What of when we fail? What do we do when we fail? What do we do when we fail? What do we do when that person over there fails? What's the expectation? What does the Bible want from us? Nice words? Comforting messages? What does God want? Because if we're going to be patient with the people around us, we need to know what we're looking for when they fail. Otherwise, we'll want to give up on them. Psalm chapter 51. If Jonah is the worst of all heroes outside of Jesus, David is one of the best. Except he was terrible except he still loved God and followed him as well as he could. Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17. For you, Yahweh, Christ, God, you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. If you know what God had told them to do when they sinned, sacrifice. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You do not be pleased with the burnt offering, which God had told them to do. So so it's not this, oh, sacrifices are bad sort of thing. This is, they're not enough. Because I could sacrifice an animal. I can make a burnt offering and not care one bit about what I've done. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise when we fail, when people around us fail, when we as a body fail, what we're looking for is contrition. The humble acceptance of our failure and the desire to not be there again. That doesn't mean it's okay to have failed. We expect that you fail less as you grow. But... When you fail, no matter where you are on that path, what is expected of you, what is expected of me is contrition and brokenness over our sin. Why? Because Jesus died for us and we don't have to live as slaves to sin. Why? Because God loves us. And then we can be patient with that person. We can be patient with this group. You can be patient with me. Because God is patient with you. Who is God? God is patient. Let's pray. Father, you are the one we seek to honor You are the one we seek to bring glory to. Father, we try and we fail. We try and we will always fail. We thank you for your patience, not only toward us as individuals, but toward us as a family of people we pray father that you would be honored and glorified we pray that you would be exalted and lifted high by what we do how we act and the patience that we show toward one another in our successes and in our failures we thank you for loving us we thank you for giving us christ your son as our savior may we bring you honor and glory through what we do we love you We love you. Amen.